Welcome to the Power of Being You podcast, where we interview people who are out in the world creating change by being authentically themselves. Come along with us and discover tips and tools that you can use to shine your brilliance even brighter. I'm Sarah Grandinetti, and I'm excited to explore the power of being you. Hello and welcome everyone to the Power of Being You podcast. I'm Samantha Lewis, and I'm so excited to be your host for this episode with a very special friend, colleague, and lady of magnitude, Colleen Joy Page. Colleen Joy inspires us to be a voice for wisdom wherever we are. As a loved top-rated international speaker, she has given 900 plus talks and taught 35,000 and more students globally, published three books, and is the creator of Inner Life Skills, an internationally accredited master coaching methodology. If you don't find her teaching online, writing or painting, you'll find her driving her muddy 4x4 to remote wild places where the animals roam free. (laughs) A woman after my own heart. (laughs) Welcome, Colleen. Oh, thank you so much, Sam. It's very kind. Sure. (laughs) Thank you. It's lovely to be with you. I'm so excited to interview you, Colleen. The part that really inspired me to um, have you be a guest on the show is... The 20 odd years ago that I first met you um, at a introductory talk that you did and you really inspired me by when you spoke about you know being and having a purpose in life and I went on to read your book and it really inspired me to keep searching to really search for what is true for me and um, your beautiful book <laughs> My Life as an Apple Tree has been an inspiration to so many people around the world and ask you, you know, all those years ago, having written that book, and even before that, being you, it must have been a time where it wasn't comfortable to be that. And I'd like to know, um, how was it for you? How did you manage to move through that? Sure, Sam, yes. Um, I'm very grateful that life gave me a couple of crib notes, right? <laughs> so, so I think the the, the main thing was intuition, uh, and um, at the age of four, I had a near death experience during surgery to remove a tumor from behind my right eye, and I had a what I call a taste of home, right? An experience of three hundred and sixty degree peace and love and total total okayness it just being free of the body being free of the, the the suffering of having this large deformity on my face which made me very shy as a young child and that freedom was a gift but for a long time it felt like a, a curse because after that experience I became incredibly homesick and it almost felt like if you imagine being in a beautiful paradise and having everything be okay and no fear and no pressure and no contraction in the heart and no heaviness in the mind. And then suddenly it felt like climbing into a very, very small box and having lost that. So what ended up happening is that I became very homesick. And so that was a, it was a catalyst that sent me on, on sent me on my search. Uh, everybody is on some kind of path, I feel, 
and the people that I've worked with and have been privileged to work with have felt that they were looking for something. We all have different stories, but that's what triggered it for me. And luckily, intuition became that one thing that I could cling to, that, let's say, that ability to change radio stations inside of myself so that I could tune in deeper than the surface mind and find the occasional whisper of peace and guidance and wisdom. And I started to become more hungry for that and have pretty much spent most of my life working with that, deepening that, making it eventually a daily practice, uh, learning to understand it. I now call it, just for the sake of a beautiful metaphor, I call it building a wisdom well, where we, we learn to go deeper than the surface mind that's always babbling and always asking questions and often torturing us with, with conflict and, and to learn to really find that that wisdom within ourselves. So that's what got me through. That's what wrote the first book. I'm busy writing my fourth book now, which is, which is very beautiful. So yes. Thank, Thank you, Colleen. That is amazing. And you were speaking about, um, you know, longing for home and longing for that, you know, nurturing. And there's something that you talk about asking the love where it wants to flow. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Sure. What happens for me quite regularly, uh, almost on a daily basis, is just because I've, let's say, built a wisdom well doesn't mean the surface mind is gone. And what happened was, I can't remember exactly when, within the last year or two, um, I sit and I do some journaling to, quote unquote, tune in to wisdom, to send that bucket down into the water of wisdom. And I was sitting with a feeling of stuckness, which is very common, uh, <laughs> procrastination, uh, and a feeling of pushing water uphill. One of those weeks that I'm sure we've all had where it just feels like we can't find the flow in our lives. We can't find the energy or the inspiration, or we do have that, but everything seems to just be a grind. And so I sat to tune in and got an insight through that tune-in, got some words. And the some of the imagery was that because I'd spent most of my life seeking, there, there, there used to be this feeling of using my intuition to try and almost find the river and find how the river wanted to flow to find the ocean. And what's happened is that I, I feel in many ways quite, rested in in that home that I was looking for as a child because I eventually found that it wasn't a place that it's actually a state of being and that it's our true self that we are in fact that which we've been looking for and that has given me such a level of peace and satisfaction and in, in a lot of ways there there is not as much seeking anymore and so what ended up happening is that that was causing a, a new kind of procrastination, a new kind of stuckness. And in the tune-in, when I, when I asked about that, it was now this image of instead of using intuition to, to find home, to find that ocean, to, to rest, now 
it was more appropriate and more helpful to tune into how love wants to move. Because for me, it feels like everything is made of, at the deepest level, made of love, whether it's an eyelash or, or a planet or, or that everything is moving through this intelligence that we might really tune into and feel as, as an impersonal love, not a romantic love. And that that can also be a way to to navigate our lives. And, and so ever since then, if I ever have a day where I'm feeling low on energy or my mind is particularly strong, my surface mind is, is trying to hijack the show, so to speak, I just take a moment, I, I drop my attention into that wisdom well, and I ask that question, how, how does love want to move? How does love want to flow today? And then I follow that as a, as a very tangible feeling. And I look at my to-do list. And if my to-do list has maybe 10 items or more, if, if nothing's particularly urgent, because sometimes there are just things that need to be done. But if I, if I have some flexibility, I, I move with that. And whether I'm writing an email or building a website or writing a book or teaching a class or... I find that if I if I don't operate from that, let's say, intention, there's a subtle or strong contraction that that seems to inhibit and and it just actually feels authentic and beautiful and free and uncomplicated to to use that as a not as a method per se, but as a gentle reminder. Oh. whenever whenever I need it and people have responded quite beautifully as well to to that understanding that's beautiful and when you talk about the surface mind and for our listeners to get a awareness around what you're talking about when you say the surface mind sure um so pretty much when we notice our thoughts uh the, the thoughts that a lot of people are trying to make quiet. <laughs> when, when, when people are frustrated and, and when we feel frustrated because there's just this endless chatter. So that's what I call the surface mind. And it's also where questions arise from. Now, in, in absolutely ordinary experience, it's thoughts that are endlessly commenting Sometimes I call it a poor sports commentator, right? And other times it feels like a torture chamber. But it's this endless stream of commentary and it's usually recycled. So if we really pay attention to our thoughts and we, this is not about making thoughts the enemy, or pushing against them, trying to alter them in any way. It's just about understanding what they are and and we go, okay, this is just recycled information. It's from my conditioning. It's from my story. It's from what I've learned in my life. And it's, it's wherever my attention is, that's like put, put, pushing a play button. And thoughts stream from that. Now, most of us have got our surface mind FM playing pretty much all of the time. And we just don't know that there's another level of radio station that we can change radio stations 
we we have all experienced that quiet inner voice of intuition of guidance we all have tasted peace in fact i'm sure uh, those of you that are watching and listening i'm sure you've had the experience of facilitating a process guiding somebody and you, and you absolutely know that it feels like the right words come through you and and that you you might even be surprised at what you say and you might feel like you're learning as well as speaking and that's when the surface mind is learning from the water of wisdom when we send that bucket down and draw that water up so that we can hopefully grow a garden that we can nourish the nurture and nourish and nurture the surface mind so tangibly the differences are things like the surface mind is usually quite polarizing it tends to always think in duality so when you have the thought um I think I should try this. There'll be another thought of its opposite. Oh, I don't think I should try this. That rises somewhere in that surface mind. And when questions rise, questions like how am I supposed to make this decision or what should I do next? Those questions have come from the surface mind. Now to put attention in the place where the question came from, if you really think about it, doesn't make sense because that part of the mind doesn't have the answer because it asked the question. Now, if we just take a few moments and we, we direct attention in, in a different, let's say, quote-unquote direction, just we use the word direction just to have something um, visceral to, to point to, we can change radio stations and then the quality or the texture of thoughts that come from wisdom as opposed to the surface mind is that they feel peaceful in the body. And our bodies are, as you know very well, and many people know, our bodies are very honest. And the, the feelings that we get in the body, somatic awareness, can tell us whether a thought is surface mind, limited, confused, ignorant, and essentially untrue, or whether a thought carries deep truth. The thoughts that carry deep truth tend to open us. They bring peace. Whereas the thoughts that are confused tend to contract. They create a, a heaviness or a contraction in the body. So that's how we can tell the difference. Um, and that's how we can navigate this, this whole wisdom wisdom well process and I love how you're using the analogies of water and the mountains and digging deep was there ever a specific time in your life where you really got that sense of communion with nature where it really pulled you in and you had that sense of really being with it well I think most people would say yes. Um, what I started to realize is if we if we tie this into the, the, the discussion about the surface mind, what I started to realize at some point is that if we go to nature and we are tuned into the surface mind, it's like looking and at life and it's experiencing life through the filter of the mind. 
So instead of really connecting with and being able to experience nature, we're actually experiencing the mind. We're experiencing our thoughts about a mountain or a river or an open savanna in, in, in the African wilderness, you know, all those spaces, even a, even a little blade of grass, even a, a cloud floating by, even a, a little flower. If, if we look at a little flower and we're just thinking thoughts about flowers and what we know of flowers and whether we like the color and we're not tuned into the flower, we're tuned into this little bubble around us type thing called the mind and we're tuned into the surface mind instead of the flower. But if for a moment, by accident, by grace, by through intention, right? It, so either consciously or unconsciously, if we, if we actually tune in and place our attention on the real flower, on the feeling of the flower, on the sense of the flower, not the thoughts of the flower, not the story of the flower, we feel the same feeling that I was describing when I talked about home, which I eventually realized is the self. Because the self doesn't have an edge to it. And nature reflects that perfectly because nature at its deepest level is, is the shared, it's the shared experience of love and peace and beauty. Just like if we dip down into a hundred different wells, we find the same water. We keep bumping into peace and love and beauty and freedom because that water is, is the shared, it's the shared reality that we can realize and that wisdom can show us. And nature is a wonderful, wonderful teacher of this. I've had many experiences, but I don't really rely on those experiences right now because what the experiences were teaching is that that's actually available to us all the time. But for the sake of your question and 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 to acknowledge that nature is a wonderful teacher of home and a wonderful opportunity to teach us to tune in to what is always deeper than the surface mind. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. That's so beautiful <laughs> and so detailed in the expression of everything that nature is. And uh, so many of us find ourselves or get that glimpse of who we be by being in nature, by sitting still um, and observing and receiving from nature. How were you able to still be you, gain that inner wisdom to, you know, move out of some difficult medical um, health challenges, shall I say? So I'll give you a, a more recent example that comes to mind. Uh, yes, I, I, have, I have had what one might call a medical destiny. You heard already, the, uh, the yeah. listeners heard. Um, in fact, there's actually a scar running from ear to ear. Um, that was the first surgery I had. And then this is the second surgery I had at the age of nine. Um, and, then, and then my daughter was also born with serious health problems. And then 
couple of years ago, I started um, uh, having some electrical problems with my heart, and they weren't they weren't life threatening, but they were very debilitating. I had to go I had to go into an emergency ER room at least once a month to literally restart my heart. So they did a chemical, uh, they didn't have to use paddles, fortunately, which they did as when I was a child to resuscitate me when I died. But uh, they would, there's a chemical way to do it where they inject you and they basically stop your heart. And for a moment, because um, my heart rate would jump to 180 and this would not stop for over an hour. Sometimes people have this, but it stops. And it, all it was was there, there was an extra electrical pathway in my heart that I'd always had, and it just hadn't resolved. My whole life I had it, but it usually lasted five minutes, ten minutes, and now suddenly it lasted over an hour. So just to, to give you an example, I did eventually have it corrected surgically. It was a small procedure called an ablation, and they make a little bit of scar tissue on your heart to prevent the electricity from going the wrong way. Point being, any of those experiences, once I understood what was happening, but even before then, this being physical, this, this body, the body is so innocent in its own way. It's always trying its best for us. If we look at what wisdom tells us, and if we deeply tune in, again, deeper than that surface mind, but deeper than that, there can be this knowing that we can tap into. So in terms of your question about how one navigates this, how do you be while experiencing very human things? Um, and that's been pretty much my whole life. But this example is, you know, there the heart is suddenly racing. And 20 minutes later, it's still racing. And I start to feel faint. I have to lie down. I have to get myself to an emergency room. And quite often I would take myself. And by the time I'd get there, your heart rate's been over 180, sometimes 200 for a while. You start to feel a little bit horrible. The nurses or, or the, that would receive me would always say, how are you so calm? And they'd, they'd, they'd ask me if I was having a panic attack because they didn't understand what was going on. And, I, and I, eventually I could tell them, look, it's an SVT and blah, 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 blah and I've been here many times just look it up you need to take me through they, and I tell them what they needed to do and now you've got you've got a couple of things going on you've got your heart rate a very physical response there's also a bit of adrenaline that starts to kick in which is your body trying to uh, cope with the cascade of different issues that will be happening and now in that moment if I again if I if I just tune into the surface mind, it's going to contract my body emotionally. And then not only is my physical body going to be suffering, you know, through the experience, but now there's going to be added suffering because I'm going to be fighting the experience, trying to interpret it. But instead, really, and I'm sorry to keep sort of repeating, but genuinely it's about taking attention simply from the mind into what always helps me is into the center of the body to feel the body to feel the innocence of the body because the body has a has a feeling 
without the story of the body, right? This, the body feels the same as nature feels. It's got that innocence. It's got that purity. And this somatic awareness switch, this tuning into the visceral sensations of the body and also seeing them as just sensations, that, that my heart beating faster on its own is no more than that unless I add a story to it. The fear fluttering through the body as the adrenaline rises is just that. And it's also about inviting oneself to be equal to it, not trying to be plus to dominate, not trying to not going into minus feeling smaller and just keeping attention rested in this, in this wisdom, in this self, in this home. And what I find, Sam, is that that deeply supports the body. Even when the body is going through a trauma, if it's experiencing something tough, emotionally or physically, back to the nature metaphor, many of us have been fortunate in Africa to go on safari and to see a, a, a body of water in the in the middle of a very dry part of Africa, as you know, Africa is quite dry, tends to be quite dry. And these water holes are where animals come to drink. And one of the other metaphors, and it's another water metaphor, <laughs> is that once we know how to tune in to the true being, not the personality, not the mind, not the, not the surface mind, not the body even, what's deeper than all of that. Once we know how to rest attention there and tune in intuitively to that, we become that watering hole, that oasis for the personality, for the mind, for the body. And the body and the mind and the heart and the personality can, in a way, drink and be nourished by the true being, by the true self. But a lot of folks have their surface mind give them ideas about what the true being is. And, and it's pretty much either a mix of the mind, the body, the personality. But those are all, all of what comes to the self to rest. The, the, the self is something like home, this, the self is, is not something you can point to. In fact, he has a, a beautiful quote, um, and it's just a revised version of what I've heard from St. Francis of Assisi, and it's, we are looking for what we are looking from. Mm. That we're basically our search for home, our search for answers, our search for happiness, our search for peace. It's so true. It's always been the self that is deeper than the surface mind, that is deeper than the personality. And instead of sending the ambassador of attention out into the mind, into the world, we call the ambassador home. We call attention home. And then it, it rests. And in that rest, the, the song that plays from that is the song of the self. And the song of the self is peace, is love, is, is wisdom, is beauty, and is what we feel even in nature. So that's, 
that's that's some of that's if you ask for the how that that's kind of the how of navigating very human experiences um but being able to change radio stations to cope and to really support my body, my mind, and my personality through them. Incredible. And I love that quote. It so simply gives us all the information. (laughs) That so simply and so beautifully. And it is that simplicity of nature that calls us to discover our true nature and our our you know infinite being self as well. So Colleen, you've got some amazing classes and some courses coming up. Um, is there something magical you have coming up recently in the near future that you would like to let us know about? Oh, thanks. That's very kind. So we we run regular ongoing master coach certification programs, which are ICF internationally accredited Uh, and inside of that there are a number of short courses intuition coaching is one of them where our coaches learn how to build wisdom wells for themselves and others Uh, enneagram coaching is another very popular one at the moment i'm also um, on social media people can follow me at colleen joy i often share little wisdom well little snippets and little dialogues and and of course my hopefully my fourth book will be available this year sometime as well thank you sam thank you so much and i have one last question for you we named this podcast the power of being you if you were to write the description of the show what would you say the power of being you is i would say and i'm going to steal from somebody else's metaphor now um in India, there is a, an ancient teaching called Vedanta, which is really a teaching about self-realization. And they often say that you don't need to find the self. You just need to remove what's in the way of it. So the image is of a cloud covering the sun, that you are the sun. And the cloud is actually, now I'm going to tie it back to what I was saying, the, the cloud is the surface mind, actually. We need only realize what we are not to discover that we are everything we were looking for and that we are the home that we're searching for. We are the happiness, the peace, the love, and the beauty. And discovering that for someone who's looking, for someone who's really sincerely seeking, And knowing that deeply and living that discovery can, for for many of us, is worth everything. So it's not the power of plus or minus. It's, It's the power we gain when we free because we no longer identify with with the false self. We no longer identify as little creatures crawling around a planet so that was far too long an answer for me (laughs) (laughs) i loved it so thank you very much colleen for an insightful enlightening conversation i'm so grateful i got to chat with you it's such a pleasure (laughs) thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the power of being you podcast 
If this conversation has been a contribution to you, please share, subscribe, or leave a review. For more information about being you or to learn more about the amazing tools of Access Consciousness, you can go to www.accessconsciousness.com. How much fun can you have exploring the power that comes with truly being you?